Hey guys, it's Blake, and you're listening to an all-new episode of Blonde Hair, Black Heart. I'm flying solo this week, which I'm a little bit scared about. Uh, This is my first episode where I am not featuring a guest at all, so hopefully I'm entertaining enough on my own. Uh, Don't worry, though, I've got a lot of really fun guests coming up in the future, the near future. You don't have to wait too long. But in the meantime, I guess you're stuck with just me. So let's get into it, shall we? So on last week's RHOC, Gina and Heather head to New York City for Heather's kids' college tours. They are flying private, and I just kept thinking to myself, this is so different than when I went to tour colleges. Um, When I went to see Santa Clara University, where I ended up going, I flew out with my dad to audition for their theater program and to tour the school. Uh, We flew commercial, first of all, and we stayed in like a regular old hotel and shared a room. I didn't have my own room, and I certainly didn't have access to room service, but I did have access to my dad snoring all night. (laughs) And oh, oh my god, at one point he was like going to change into his pajamas um and he was just in the middle of the room changing and i remember i'm like sitting on my bed texting and you know this is back in the t9 days of text so it was taking me a while to get a sentence out and i look up and my dad is just like down to his whitey tighties right in front of me and i start screaming like dad go change in the bathroom what the hell are you doing and he gets all flustered and is like oh my god i'm so sorry and he bends down to grab his clothes which are all on the floor and i just get a face full of my dad's ass in his whitey tidies. So yeah, um, a lot different than the Dubrow twins touring schools, to say the least. Uh, I love the friendship between Gina and Heather, honestly. I know people think it's weird or a mismatch, but I watch them interact and I feel like they're the only two people on the cast that actually are interested in one another and what the other has to say. And they're actually both like really good friends to one another. I don't see Gina being inauthentic when she hypes up Heather and, you know, wears the Heather D swag and acts like a fangirl. You know, like we see her wearing that did I hear a cork pop shirt? And honestly, I would rock that too. I mean, especially if it were free, but it's a cute shirt regardless. And I feel like if your friends aren't your biggest fans, then you need new friends, you know? Plus, I see Heather giving Gina back what she's getting. I really do. So to me, it doesn't read as Gina being desperate for Heather's friendship or anything like that. Like, I really see them as being equals in the friendship. Clearly in life, they're not equals. Like, they are on different planes, different planets, basically. But in their friendship, I don't see it as one being more invested than the other. Um, I think Heather is equally as into Gina as Gina is into Heather. And I think they're a cute little duo, but I actually want to see more of them with Emily too. I I really like Emily with them. I actually like Emily more with them than when she's with the other three. So I liked when Heather was talking about how she doesn't need her kids to follow in her footsteps career-wise. Like, oh, she doesn't want Max to be a real housewife? (laughs) Um, But I, I actually did totally relate to her when she was saying that she has nightmares of, like, you know, walking down the halls of her college campus, and I totally have nightmares like that, but for me it's high school, and it's terrifying. Um, we also see her visit her old sorority house, which also took me back. Not only were all of my girlfriends in college in sororities, but I also was surprisingly in a fraternity for a little bit. Uh, and that was a super weird experience. Maybe one day I will tell you guys all about that. Um, another relatable moment for me was when Heather was doing her live podcast at Syracuse and she was talking about how she did the Miss Syracuse pageant. So my college girlfriend, yes, I dated a girl for like four or five years. 
uh, I'm begging her to come on the podcast. She actually entered the Miss Santa Clara pageant when we were in college. And uh, all of our friends, we went and we supported her and we were in the crowd cheering her on with her family. And she didn't win the crown, but she was Miss Congeniality. And I was so proud of her. So that little anecdote from Heather reminded me of that. So go, Anna, Miss Congeniality, Santa Clara, California, 2011. Woo woo. Okay, so you guys just got a little taste of my frat bro days, too, right there. (laughs) Um, Okay, so they jet off from uh, Syracuse to Manhattan. How long of a flight is that? Like, it has to be, what, 20 minutes, 25 minutes? Anyways, uh, whilst this is all going on, Emily and Jen are back in the OC at the beach, and Jen is telling Emily all about her relationship issues with Orange Rind and how he wants to be more financially invested in their relationship. Okay, this whole situation was odd to me. Obviously, he has every right to be an equal partner um, and, you know, feel financially invested and, like, he has a say in things. However, the timing is sketch. Um, Him wanting to put his name on properties and all of these things uh, when when his name wasn't on them, it's it's weird timing considering the marital issues they are going through. I, if I were Jen, would be very hesitant to allow him to just start putting his name onto properties and you know all of these assets, knowing where they stood. Um, I just feel like. He's, you know, doing all of this so he can just walk away and get half of it. So if she's going to agree to it, if she's going to say, sure, you can, you know, put your name on this Hawaii house or whatever, get a prenup first, you know, and if you already have a prenup, get it edited or altered or revised. I don't know what the legal jargon is. Help me out, Elwoods. But but do something where it's like, okay, yes, I'm going to add your name to this house, but like you can't leave me within the next year or two or whatever. Um, Yeah, it just seems sketch. I feel like he's he's covering his bases so he can walk away. And I I want the best for Dr. Jen. Um, I I don't think she's the most compelling housewife, but I don't dislike her, you know. So Shannon hosts a cooking class. Or should I say, Chef Shannon hosts a cooking class. So this is what I love about Shannon. She is game. Game for anything. Like, she is always down to give an event, no matter how small, even a small little cooking class for four. She is going to give it everything she's got, including costumes. Um, You know, she might be a total nut, but she is down for a good time. So we've got to give it up for our girl Stormy Shaniels in that regard. So Noella eats and then uneats a raw shrimp. She's so extra. This may be unfair. Like, I, I, I just really don't like her, so everything she does at this point bothers me. But I truly feel like she's always looking for a moment. You know, even with the shrimp. She's apologizing for spitting it out, but she's making a scene about it. You know, if, if you're really sorry, if you really don't want everyone noticing that you're spitting this shrimp out into a cloth napkin, get up and excuse yourself and go into the kitchen and and quietly spit it out or something, you know? She's she's simultaneously acting as though she doesn't want to bring attention to it, but all she's doing is bringing attention to herself. And that's kind of her MO, right? Like, if you've ever seen the movie 10 Things I Hate About You, Noella is clearly from planet, look at me, look at me. So the cooking class girlies call the Manhattan girlies and they do a little FaceTime. And immediately after hanging up, Stormy Shan tells the other ladies that Gina's ego is inflated and she needs to put a pin in it. She keeps saying this all season, put a pin in it, put a pin in it. And I think what she means to say is uh, Gina needs to deflate her ego. 
But the phrase put a pin in it means like, let's pause the convo for now and we'll come back to it later, you know? So I think Heather needs to teach Shannon what this idiom really means. Um, We all know Heather's good with vocab. Shannon tries to tell the other ladies about Dr. Jen's relationship issues and Noella is immediately insensitive and like kind of weird, honestly. Um, And then in her confessionals, she's saying that Dr. Jen is a robot, bleep, bleep, bleep. And like, she has no feelings, but Noella is the one that was so cold to Dr. Jen. And like I said, it was just weird. Like there's no other word for her reaction, you know? She's just an odd one, guys. Um, She's so sensitive, but she's also extremely insensitive. (laughs) I'm gonna need an official diagnosis on this personality type from someone because it's intriguing but scary, but intriguing. (laughs) So Dr. Jen goes and she sees her therapist, who is Shannon and David's old therapist. So, you know, maybe not the most glowing referral of her work, but I don't know, maybe she's improved her craft over the past few years. Who knows? Um, The fact that Orange Rind isn't even there for the therapy session, though, isn't a good sign. We also have the fortune of meeting Heather's dear smother on this episode, and I've got to say, she is fabulous. Like, Disney villain realness. Like, wrap her up in a Dalmatian skin coat because she is serving. I love her, and I honestly think she could be a housewife. Get her on Roni, now. But it actually was really revealing seeing Heather's mom, Um, especially in this light. You know, we've met her parents very briefly before on The Real Housewives, but her mom was shining in this episode. You know, it's clear why Heather is the way that she is. She's very particular and in control, but she has maybe a slightly softer touch than her mom. Slightly. (laughs) I have said it before, and I will say it a million times. I love Heather. I get Heather. We are kindred spirits. Chalk it up to us both being Capricorns. Maybe it's because we're both raised in upper-middle-class Jewish households. Or because we both studied musical theater. Or who knows, maybe it's that we're both just assholes. Could be, truly. But either way, I understand her. I say to my husband all the time, it's not that I have to be right, it's just that what I'm saying is right. I know that sounds like proof that yes, I am indeed an asshole, but for real. Like... Okay, I had to start telling my husband that he wasn't doing our laundry correctly. He will separate, like, the darks from the lights most of the time, but he wasn't understanding that certain things have to be washed on certain settings. And so I'm telling him this, like, you're not doing it right, and I could sense him being like, okay, Mr. Laundry Police has to be in control of how many bubbles are in the damn machine. But in reality, I didn't make the laundry rules. I just read the tags. The clothing manufacturer makes the rules. Trust me, I am not telling you how to do laundry for fun. I would much prefer my favorite sweater had not shrunk into a crop top. Thank you very much. So the RHOC reunion filmed this last week, and the day after they filmed, the sneaky behind-the-scenes photos started to leak, and it was actually Teddy Mellencamp who shared the first pic that showed all of the reunion outfits and where the cast was seated on the couches. And it was so clearly taken by, like, some PA at the reunion filming who then sent it to Teddy, or maybe Tamara, who, by the way, I saw someone um, was commenting about Tamara, and they must have had an autocorrect, and it, it changed it to Tampa. And that just makes so much sense to me. Like, if you told me Tamara was from Tampa, it just works. So from here on out, I'm going to call her Tampa. Okay, so someone sent this photo to Teddy or Tampa, and Teddy ends up sharing it. It's watermarked with the two T's and a pod on it. Like, they are such Bravo-holics. And what are these sneaky little outlets that they have to get these photos and all of this tea? And why is it okay for them to be leaking behind-the-scenes tea that's revealed to them, but no one else can do it? 
If you don't know what I'm referring to, go back and listen to the first 10 minutes of my recent episode, Marvel for Morons. Um, I just feel like this is such a perfect example of everything I was talking about. You guys would be so proud of me. I went to Target today, and I had one thing to return and one thing to purchase, and I returned one thing and I purchased one thing. I honestly feel like I need a trophy or something. Maybe that's the millennial in me. Um, you know, I I merely participated in the Target experience today. You know, I didn't get the full thing. I, I just was there, but I feel like I deserve a trophy for that. I feel like that's even harder than the alternative, which would be spending $500, which I normally do. Um, but damn, do I love Target. Uh, as I was checking out in the self-checkout, there was this adorable old man in front of me. <laughs> he just like couldn't figure it out at all. He like did not know what the hell he was doing. And I mean, let me let me just say, I love old people. They're like puppies. Like, you just want to cuddle them and clean up after them and, you know, feed them until it's time to put them down. <laughs> I'm kidding. Guys, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, but for real, I think they're great. Uh, I, I do. But I also think that at a certain point, we as humans need to be self-aware enough to recognize that, like, we are no longer competent humans. <laughs> it's that awful. But it's true. Um, like. If you can't figure out how to open an attachment on your email or, you know, every time you go to pull money out of the ATM, you end up breaking the damn thing, you shouldn't be trying to check yourself out at this computer at Target. Just like go to the line and put your shit on the conveyor belt and the lady will check you out. Like, you know, I'm, I'm standing there waiting in line and uh, there's four four self-checkouts and one of them is broken and you know everyone else has cartfuls of things and this guy has maybe three items and he he had the machine beeping for assistance with all three items Ugh. i mean like i said adorable loved him loved every minute of it but um i think it's time for him to be euthanized i'm kidding i'm kidding guys i'm kidding watch like the only 90 year old that listens to my podcast is going to go and give me a one star rating after this. One of the best things about growing up in Arizona is that there's incredible Mexican food on every street corner. And you know what goes best with good Mexican food? Traditional Mexican horchata. Don't know what horchata is? It's creamy, delicious rice milk flavored with cinnamon, vanilla, and sugar. Okay, you thirsty now? Me too. Luckily, even if you're far from the southern border, you can get your horchata fix every day with Sinmin. Sinmin is a brand created by my good friend Tyler, who is even more obsessed with horchata and all things cinnamon than I am. He's developed all natural skincare products and more, crafted in California with ethically sourced ingredients and infused with real cinnamon. Have you heard of the antibacterial, antifungal, antiviral, or antioxidant properties of cinnamon when applied to the skin? Or how about how it helps treat acne? What about how cinnamon promotes blood flow, helping with skin elasticity by bringing blood flow to the surface of the skin and helping to moisturize skin with all of that added circulation? 
Some of my personal favorite products from Sinmin are their signature lip balm that gives your lips a sweet tingle and a subtle natural plump, their all-natural deodorant developed for sensitive skin, and the Coco Chata body beverage that leaves your body hydrated and smelling like heaven. They even have candles and air fresheners to keep your entire home, car, or office smelling like your favorite dessert. With Cinnamon, you'll enjoy all the benefits Cinnamon has to offer your skin and your senses. Visit Cinnamon.com, that's S-I-N-M-I-N.com, and use code Blake at checkout for 15% off your total order today and receive free shipping on all orders over $50. That's code Blake for 15% off your order at Cinnamon.com. I may have a black heart, but I can be sweet sometimes, and Cinnamon definitely helps. Rumors, rumors, rumors out of West Hollywood. There are, of course, rumors swirling that the original cast of Vanderpump Rules will be back for next season, or that they are going to team up for a new show about the group. I mean, this is nothing new. We've heard this since 2020, when a bunch of the cast got the axe. Pretty much any time the whole gang has been back together since the OGs disbanded, there are rumors like this flying. But we forget that they're all actually friends, unlike a lot of other reality casts. So it's not super surprising that they would all continue to hang out. That said, do I want the lost OGs back? Hell yeah. I will not deny one bit that I have felt the absence of Stassi, Kristen, and even Jax. Yes, even Jax. I know. Another rumor, a sad rumor, from the Pump Rules world is that Katie and Tom are breaking up. She's been seen without her wedding ring on multiple occasions over the last several weeks, but I... Uh, I don't know. They've been through so much shit. If he cheated on her and dumped a drink on her head and she said his dick didn't work on national television and they didn't break up then, I feel like they're in it for the long haul. Finally, the last rumor is that Vanderpump Rules Las Vegas will be coming soon to Bravo. With two restaurants now on the Las Vegas Strip, Mrs. Pump probably has quite a pool of party people to pick from. Wow, that was a tongue twister. Let me try that one more time. Mrs. Pump probably has quite a pool of party people to pick from. Guys, I didn't even speed that up in post. Like, how impressive am I? <laughs> and she will sell seashells outside of the stratosphere. <laughs> okay, speaking of Lisa Vanderpump, remember a few weeks ago I was telling you all about the rumor swirling around the upcoming season of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Remember that song by Lindsay Lohan? I'm tired of rumors starting. Well, I am not tired of rumors. Keep them coming. So, quick recap. People were claiming that a feud between Kathy Hilton and others in the cast came to be because Kathy had made either racially insensitive or homophobic comments. Who knows? Maybe both. Probably both. She seems like a give-it-all-you-got kind of bigot. So, one of our listeners reached out and sent me a voice note to give her take on the tea. Here is Kayla from Los Angeles. I'm glad you brought this whole Kathy thing up because I had been thinking about that all last season. I was like, this is a totally different side of Kathy Hilton we're seeing. And the audience loves it and we love her and she's so funny and everything. But I did in my mind think to myself, I was like, this is a very different side of her. Like we, when Paris Hilton did her documentary, like this was not the Kathy Hilton we saw. Um, I also still am mad at Kathy for sending Paris to that horrible place and not even knowing about it. Um, but anyways, I feel like that's a mother-daughter issue. And um, the whole Trump thing, like that's like not a doubt in my mind. Guys, if you have feelings or opinions or tea you want to share, reach out to me via DM, email, voice note, carrier dove. I don't like pigeons. They're gross. Um, but get me your comments. I want to know what you're thinking. And who knows? Maybe you'll hear yourself on the podcast.
Okay, guys, let's talk about the Real Housewives of Miami reunion. So for me, Nicole was the MVP not only of the reunion, but of the entire season. Now, don't get me wrong, I think Alexia absolutely brought the most in terms of storyline, so maybe they're tied for MVP. But in terms of being able to hold her own, Nicole brought it. She was able to answer every question that was thrown at her, and not just answer it, but answer it with conviction. She whipped out examples, and this is more than most housewives are able to do when they have accusations flying at them. So as a first season housewife, I was thoroughly impressed. Plus, she's super hot, so that goes a long way with me. <laughs> um, my least valuable players were Lisa and Larsa. Obviously, on Miami, there are no weak links. Even the friends of were, like, better than most full-time housewives on other cities. But if I had to choose, those two just really didn't do it for me. Adriana, however, is a queen. She should have been full-time. I do not understand why she was not full-time. Even if she wasn't hired as a full-time housewife when they started, once the editing began and they started realizing that she was going to be in every single episode, when they realized that she was going to be on all three parts of the reunion, sitting in the middle of the couch, not even on the end, they should have made her full-time. She should sue. Honestly, she should sue. Now, I'm not a litigious person, probably because I don't really have the money to afford to be, but regardless, I, I wouldn't normally say she should sue, but she should sue for more money because the friends of don't make a lot of money as it is. It's, it's like chump change. Hell, even a lot of the actual housewives don't make real money. It's been regularly said that for a lot of the housewives, it actually costs them more to be on the show than they make, you know, spending money on their lifestyles and clothes and glam squads and stuff. So especially for a friend of, she was worked and she was not fairly compensated. I mean, I don't know what her salary was, but whatever it was, I know she deserved more. So we hear a lot about Lisa and Lenny's marriage problems. And like, if Lenny told Lisa he didn't love her and they didn't have kids yet, I just don't get why they stayed together. If my husband told me he wasn't in love with me, I'd be like, okay, well, I love myself enough for the both of us, so don't do me any favors. Bye. You know, she's like, he came to his senses, but I wouldn't even wait around for that. I guess the difference is that I work and Lisa doesn't, so I actually would be okay on my own. <laughs> um, and let's not even get into the emotional affair that he had. Like, deal breaker. I just feel like she has no sense of pride or self-worth after watching her discuss all of this shit. She says she knows 100% that there was no physical intimacy between Lenny and this other woman, but then later she's like, well, who knows, maybe there were other girls. Like, ugh, I'm so sad for you, Lisa. So sad. But then she started complaining about the lighting on her, and I immediately was no longer sad for her, and I remembered why I don't like her whatsoever. So Alexia and Herman's relationship comes up, and Alexia insists that she wasn't his beard, but like, whether you knew you were his beard or not, that's exactly what you were. Um, the man Herman was having an affair with, who they just refer to as the hot guy, he got a house, so Herman was clearly a very generous lover. You know, Alexia's really insistent that she's, like, totally okay with all of it, um, she doesn't harbor any resentments. Do I really believe that she's not mad at all, or, like she says, she was even happy for him that he got to live out his gay fantasy? No, definitely not. But I am actually really happy with how it's being addressed on the show, because... Let's be real, if this was a few years ago and a housewife found out that her husband was secretly gay, it would be the most homophobic, cringeworthy storyline ever. Hell, even if today that happened on certain cities, it would be awful to watch play out. So props to Alexia and props to all the Miami girls for handling it in a way that isn't problematic. You know, we've been through way too much of that in the past on The Housewives. Okay, speaking of problematic, let's talk about Kanye's dick. 
I'm so torn between thinking that this whole storyline is like totally iconic and totally gross and kind of predatory. I mean, on one hand, it's like really funny to hear about Adriana catching Kanye West in a bathroom and sneaking a peek at his dick. Honestly, it's hilarious. But I just think if this were flipped, like if it were a man walking in on a woman and then later he's like gleefully discussing her genitalia, we would all be so grossed out. So yeah, I'm torn. Um, I think just in general, it's tacky to talk about anyone's dick, thick or not. So in this battle, I'm going to give it to Larsa. Not because Larsa did or didn't do anything, just because I don't really care to hear about Kanye's dick. Okay, quick sidebar. Speaking of dicks, I mean, speaking of Kanye's dick, I mean, speaking of Kanye. So this battle between Kanye and Kim and Pete has been going on for a while now. I'm not going to pretend like I get what everyone sees in Pete Davidson. He's not my cup of D, if you know what I mean. Um, Wow, between this and last week's episode about Euphoria, my podcast has just become, like, exclusively dick content. Uh, So enjoy. (laughs) Anyways, there's been a lot of Kanye taking shots at Pete and Kim for weeks now, including a video he made with a decapitated Pete. So pretty fucked up. Finally, Pete has shot back. In a series of texts from this last weekend, Pete calls out Kanye, respectfully, in my opinion. Well, okay, he does say, I'm in bed with your wife, but the rest of the texts are basically calling for a truce, asking Kanye to get help for his mental health and to stop bashing Kim as a mom. Um, And Pete's like relating to, to Kanye because he himself has suffered from a lot of these same issues and he's really pleading with him. And All the while, he's saying, this should be private. We need to stop making everything public. It's unhealthy. So, of course, Kanye responds publicly in a super weird video that uh, can only be described as similar to something Louis from Real Housewives of New Jersey would think is appropriate. Um, And it looks like he's asleep and he just continues to bash Kim as a mom. He's like where are my kids? What what are what are my kids doing while you two are together? And it's like, is she not allowed to do anything while the kids are in the other room? It's very strange. And honestly, my biggest takeaway is Kanye's a piece of shit. So even if his dick is thick, like Adriana claims, Kim is winning by getting the fuck out of that marriage. Run, girl, run. Okay, back to Miami. So (laughs) the blue dress that Larsa wore in the intro credits comes up, as Adriana apparently wore it previously. I love me a bitch stole my look moment. I always tend to lean toward whoever wore it first. I think originality is key, but like that's not always the case. Did you guys know that a month before JLo wore the iconic green Versace dress, Ginger Spice wore it to a red carpet and nobody cared? So obviously that rule of thumb isn't always true. In this case, I don't really have a preference or an opinion on who wore it better, but I fucking loved Adriana gifting Larsa cookies in honor of her looking like the cookie monster. I mean, is it kind of a self-dig too, since like I said, Adriana also wore the cookie monster dress? Sure, but it was hilarious, and Larsa just sat there, taking the L. I mean, I guess the only acceptable response from her would have been to grab a cookie and say, On 
On part two of the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City reunion, it was pretty much the takedown of Lisa Barlow. She's getting it from all ends, and as we can see, she was not prepared for it. She has some receipts, but not good ones. She has some excuses, but not good ones. <laughs> okay, let's dive in. Everyone keeps saying to Jen Shaw, I've been a good friend to you, even though that's controversial. And she obviously is upset by this. I feel like this is something that I've heard before from my friends. Highly relatable. The discussion about the date of Meredith Mark's dad's memorial comes up, and frankly to me, this is so stupid. It's very clearly a semantics game at this point. There's not like a motive or a reason as to why Meredith would be lying about the date of the memorial, right? So it just doesn't make any sense why she would do that. Like, does Lisa think she made all of this up just to get out of going on the sprinter van? Meredith has had absolutely no qualms about saying she wants to stay as far away from Jen Shaw as possible, so why the hell wouldn't she just say, I'm gonna find my own way there? She wouldn't make up some lie about a date. So, Quickly into the episode, it goes into a break, and Lisa storms off. She's yelling at production, blaming them, but she's forgetting the number one rule of reality TV. The editors can't use what you don't say. She's like, you gave them a reason to say that that's who you are. You let them narrate me. No, Lisa, your castmates aren't narrating you. Bravo literally narrated you with the captions on the screen, but like, it was word for word what you said. It's interesting to me to see someone who's so clearly in the wrong, you got caught saying terrible things about your best friend, and there's no one to blame but you. But she's going to try and shift blame to anyone she can. So the girls reconvene, and they start the discussion about churches, specifically Mary Cosby's church. The question arises, you know, why is everyone so focused on Mary's church? Well, first of all, it's a huge part of her identity, so to use the fans' favorite word, it's her storyline. Second of all, Real Housewives of Salt Lake City has always been about religion. That's how it was originally sold to the fans. So give us what you promised, you know? So the ladies are all asked their personal stance on Mary's church, and Jen Shaw says what we're all thinking. All churches are cults. She's really so likable, you guys, honestly. I mean, not if you're like one of the old people that she defrauded, but ugh, she's so great. I love her. Whitney says that Mary uses the fear of God to get what she wants. Duh. <laughs> She'll send Jesus after us. We are well aware and thoroughly fearful. Lisa's getting caught in a lot of lies, and she continuously fumbles the ball. She's so close to being iconic, but she misses the mark, like, every time. I want more from her. You know, she isn't iconic enough to own her shit and rally, and she's not iconic enough to fully deflect all ownership and lie her ass off. She's somewhere in the middle. She doesn't do either. And I hope with time, she'll become the perfect housewife that we all know she's capable of being. Okay, so Cameron comes up. I don't want to give this too much focus because he's dead and it feels weird, but Lisa busts out her Steve Urkel meets Sheena Shea glasses and her text printouts, which Whitney reminds us might not even be raw. <laughs> but it basically seems like Cameron told both of them the same thing, that Mary's congregation is sketch and that she sent Jesus after him and a mortgage underwriter. So I don't know what they're really arguing about other than whose fault it is for bringing him into the mix, um, but they both wanted him there, you know? It's also revealed that there's a support group for ex-members of Mary's church, which reminds me of the Facebook support group for the Nordstrom employees who had encountered Alexis and Jim Bellino. Do we need a support group for Bravo fans who've had to endure housewives that have caused people to start support groups? Lisa's hot mic moment comes up. 
I cannot imagine being Meredith and watching this back. It was disgusting. If any of my friends said shit like that about me, it would be over. O-V-E-R. Do you hear that, guys? Over. Like, I get that friends disagree and we vent and we call each other out and we call each other names. And on the housewives, that's like their job. I get it. But Lisa went over the top. It was super vicious. So Lisa says that she has different standards than anyone else. What exactly is the standard, Lisa? I mean, I feel like the standard on housewives is to lie constantly and talk shit about everyone. So you're pretty much nailing it. Heather explains that this hot mic moment of Lisa's in and of itself isn't the issue. It's just that it's revealing. It, it reveals who she really is, like Scooby-Doo ripping the mask off of old man Withers. And it was like a weird reference. I don't know. Okay, so The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City Season 2 finally comes to an end with Part 3 of The Reunion. Did you guys know that this season has been on for three and a half years? No, seriously, I was like a child when Jen Shaw got arrested. <sighs> I mean, the season started off with such a bang, but it's really hard to keep that kind of momentum up for this long. So I don't know if these types of shows are meant for it. Anyways, let's dive in. Lisa tries to explain away her hot mic rant by telling Meredith that someone told her that she'd talked shit about her house. And honestly, of all of the bullshit excuses this one I get. <laughs> like, I take a lot of pride in my house. It's really cute. And if someone told me that it was shitty, I would absolutely call them a piece of shit garbage whore. So it is what it is. Meredith obviously isn't having it, and Lisa isn't taking real accountability. So I don't know. At one point after the husbands come out and they're all starting to talk, Lisa whispers, I'm so sorry. And Meredith whispers back, I know. It's so eerie and so indicative of both of their personality types, like walking a really fine line between queenie and creepy. Andy asks Coach Shaw about how he hasn't been scrutinized in the same way that Erica Jane has when, arguably, they're in the same situation. Um, maybe because Erica acted like a total ass on social media. Actually, she showed her total ass on social media. She's publicly disrespected and disregarded the actual victims of Tom's crimes, and while Coach Shaw is obviously maintaining Jen's innocent, he isn't going around essentially shitting all over the people suffering. Erica deflected all blame and shame and guilt, while Coach Shaw has sat quietly and he didn't make himself look like a damn fool. He's busy telling men to go to therapy. A king in my eyes. So Jen and Coach Shaw are also maintaining that he did have internal bleeding, and that the phone call on the Sprinter van where she demiked and all of that, it really was about Coach Shaw, and it wasn't her being tipped off about the feds. If this is true, the devil works damn hard because we were so close to seeing Jen Shaw get arrested on camera, and had Coach Shaw just kept his blood in his veins where it belongs, we would have. But I don't think it's true. I think she was tipped off, and she made up a story, but they agreed that she can't admit to lying about anything now because it discredits everything she has said and will say. So we're going to go with the internal bleeding story. I don't get why the hell Lisa is waiting until the commercial breaks, and then she's going and trying to, like, make individual amends with everyone. It's weird. Does she think that the cameras aren't rolling? Why is she saving it for the breaks? It seems intentional, but I don't quite understand the intention. So Andy and the ladies start questioning Jen on her business, her spending habits. They show her and Coach Shaw's audition tapes where they're bragging about their spending, which isn't a good look. I get that they're auditioning for a show, they're hyping it up, they're putting it on, but in Jen's case, she's now claiming that nothing from the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City should be used as actual evidence against her because it's all fictional, it's all made up, it's all bullshit, basically. She's completely discrediting the show and everything she's portrayed on the show. 
I don't know what to think. I certainly don't think that it's all fake. I really don't. Um, I don't want to believe that. (laughs) That would be like world shattering for me. So Jen explains that she feels like she's getting mixed messages from people or that people expect her to be okay with being treated like shit because she's lucky to have friends in general. I mean, she's right, but they're also right. (laughs) Andy asks if anyone thinks she's guilty. No one explicitly says yes, but no one explicitly says no. (laughs) Heather says she doesn't care if she's guilty or not. Classic Heather. I mean, let's be real. This is such a hard situation. I don't think any of us can relate. If one of my good friends was being convicted of a horrible crime, would I have their back? Would I trust the friend? Would I believe the victims? I really don't know. I think the biggest question here, though, is, is Jen a a really good friend? (laughs) I mean, I'm sure she's a good time. And she'll probably be a good friend to her cellmate, but to her castmates... I don't know. Okay, let's be fair, though. This entire cast, they're all horrible. And that's why we watched. Well, that's it for this week. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Blonde Hair, Black Heart. Make sure to like or subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And please go give us a five-star rating or review. Until next time, bye.